to meet yet. My name is Amanda. I'm one of the pastors here at Public Church. <laughs> Thanks, Vaughn. Um, we're just transitioning. We've had some time around the table sharing the word together. Um, if so, if you are in the city of Boston and you're able to come join us in person, we would love for you to be with us in the space we meet at the Fenway Community Center here in Fenway in Boston. And we've been together since about noon, eating together and doing our Bible study. But um, yeah, so as I was processing uh, the scriptures that we were going to be sharing together this Sunday, um, the scriptures that stood out to me was Psalm 80, verse 3. So we'll be looking at that in a little bit if you want to pull it up on your Bible, but we'll have it on the screen as well. And as I was reading that and studying, this theme of judgment came out. And when I think of judgment, I picture Lady Justice. Any, everybody familiar with this or something similar? So the idea behind Lady Justice is that life is good when the scale is equal, right? So you see her scale she's holding up. And especially, I think, in ancient culture, but also in ours, like we want the scales to be balanced. So sometimes there'd be money on the scale, you know, so like to make sure that you were paying the proper price for a product. Like we just had our first week at public coffee. Ooh, and for people to pay, we have this POS system. So we, you know, push all the things they want and then the total comes up and they just tap a card. It's so easy. But in the ancient world, they had to use these scales to make sure that the right amount was being paid. But it was also really easy to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To falsify like what was on the scale, right? So like they would put something that looked like it had really high value, but it really didn't. So it was like a counterfeit item. And it would balance the scale, but it would actually be like an act of fraud or whatever. So then that made me think of the question, and I'm curious, I actually want response. So if you are online, you can put in the chat, um, but in here, have you ever actually felt like the scale is equal in life? Evan's kind of shrugging. Travis is saying no. How about you guys? Have you ever felt like your like, scale, whatever that like, means for you, has been equal. Hey, you've been saying, yeah. So kind of like, I picture it like what you put out, you're kind of getting back. Like, how about you, Bond? Do you feel like your scales have been equal? No. No. BJ, I'm actually calling everybody out because I want to hear your answer. BJ is saying no. And what is also interesting about Lady Justice that I noticed is, well, there's a serpent but also she has a sword. And what it is saying is that she is willing to fight for justice, for equality, equity. But then as I was reading the scripture again, this theme of judgment came up and led to another question. Can you have justice without judgment? So you don't have to answer that, but keep that in mind as we work through the scripture today. So I did put the question out there to everybody as I was doing my Bible uh, study. And most people, like me, when they were thinking of judgment, kind of had a negative connotation connected to it. And I think just right now in our culture, the idea of judging another person is like, 
no, uh-uh, don't do it, which I think is ultimately a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, one person said, when you're judging somebody, it's like you're looking down on them, right? So it's like kind of you're somehow this authority and you're looking down on other people. One person said that they actually never feel judged by God, but do often feel judged by people in their lives. And there was like a few other answers and they were all similar to that. So let's go to the scripture and unpack that a little bit and see kind of where I'm going with it this, with it this morning. And that concept that I came up with is like gracious kindness is actually equated to judgment. So let's pray as we unpack this morning. I guess it's this afternoon. Anyway, hey God, um, we're just grateful to be here today, um, being in your word together. Holy Spirit, we need you to be here with us. Um, help us to understand your word. Thank you for how you've spoken already through your word this, this afternoon <laughs> as we have um, been around the table. God, we're so grateful for you. And I just hope that you would speak to us, encourage us, and lead us through your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so we're looking at Psalm 80, verse 3, which says, Restore us, God. Make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. So this is um, the people of Israel, and they are lamenting. They are going through a really hard time in history. They've had a lot of um, physical conquest, and so they are crying out to God, and they're saying, like, where are you? That's basically what they're saying in this scripture. And they're looking for God to restore them. So the idea behind restore is to bring back into original existence use, function, or position. So throughout Israel's history, they've had a lot of highs and lows, but all along they've had the God of the universe saying to them, like, you are my people, and I want you to do really great things. And, but their reality hasn't necessarily matched their experience, and, or the reality hasn't matched what God has been saying about them. So they're crying out to him, and they're asking for, them, for him to bring them back to basically the promised land. Like, you know, they've experienced um, their people coming up out of Egypt and being brought to this beautiful land that God had promised them and they were living prosperously. And then, you know, really it's because of their own sin, but they've had a lot of negative experiences. And so they're saying, God, restore us, make your face shine on us. And if you like look behind the Hebrew of all of this, it really means that they want to be connected to God's favor. That's what shine your face on us means. And when I looked at that word, the Hebrew word behind make your face shine, I practiced it with BJ this week. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but it's like, I can't make my tongue roll. But it's literally W-R in our alphabet. And it's like, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not even going to try. But when you look in the Hebrew um, Old Testament, make your face shine or something similar to that coming from this Hebrew word was used 2,045 times. So 
if you look in the book of Psalms, this idea of God make your face shine on us, it comes up all of the time. And it means to enlighten or illuminate, too. So it's like, God, we need your favor in order to, like, animate us. Give us life, is what they're saying. And in this prayer, they're acknowledging that they're in a season where life isn't as it always should have been. And if you look at the lexicon behind make your face shine, it actually means to make better. So they're saying, like, God, our life kind of sucks <laughs> right now. We're facing a lot of hard things. We need you to make this better for us. And the reason they want him to make it better is they want to be saved. And when you look behind the Hebrew in this, it, it's, an, it's a physical save. So, like, we often, as, like, New Testament Christians, like, we say, Jesus saved me. And we think more of the spiritual. But for them, like, their salvation, their saving was very often connected to physical. They needed to be saved from ruin, destruction, or harm. So they're going to God and they're saying, life sucks right now. We need you to basically, like, help us escape this and have something different. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll see, like, David is constantly asking God to save him from his enemies, right? Like, he's, uh, he asked God to even kill them, like, annihilate them, get rid of them. Like, they're, they're just too much for him. So we're going to look at Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26. Travis. And it says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. So, Haven, as a worship leader, when you hear that, <laughs> yes, there's a really popular song right now. What's it called? Blessing. Blessing. I almost asked you to do it, but then I was like, nah. <laughs> because as I read it, that was the song that came to mind. So it's Blessing by um, Carrie Job, and it was very popular this last year. But when you look at gracious, so make your face shine on you and be gracious to you, this means gracious kindness. So as I was studying that, I really got f stuck on this idea of kindness. And so being, you know, uh, somebody who just loves scripture, and my mind went to kindness in Galatians 5. I don't know if I put that. Did I put that scripture in there? Okay. So it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so I was like, oh, hey, you know, God gives us gracious kindness. This is how he um, lives amongst his people. And so what does kindness mean? Well, it's the quality of being warm-hearted, considerate, humane, gentle, and sympathetic. That's what kindness means. And I think, like I was saying earlier, most people, when they think of judgment, they see it as a negative thing. Um, but we're going to see what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. He says, Do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? 
So Paul's saying here, judgment is going to happen for everybody. Do you think that you will escape it? Like, what about you is so special that judgment will not come for you? And the kindness that's in this Romans uh, verse is the same as the fruit of the Spirit. So it's God's kindness, his, him being warm-hearted, considerate, humane, gentle, and sympathetic. Those are the qualities of God that intend to lead us to repentance. And we talked about this last time we were together, right? That repentance is reconsidering who we are. So whether that was who we were before we became a Christian or who we are just as a person today. And it's through God's grace and power being able to reconsider who we are and doing something different, living a different way. And in Psalm 83, verse 3, that we're looking at, it says that they're looking for God's kindness so that they may be saved. And again, this is a physical thing. They thought that deliverance would come in a physical battle. And this was true for the Israelites all the way up until the anticipation of them for the Messiah. They thought the Messiah was going to be somebody who would come in and wipe out all of their enemies, save them from other people. But Jesus didn't come to save them physically. He came to save them spiritually. And that's what he came to do for us. And going back to Lady Justice, right? The scales need to be equal when it comes to justice and judgment. We want God to save us, but we also have to be okay that that is connected to judgment. So God is kind. That's what the, word, the scriptures tell us, right? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And that's what Jesus ultimately came to do, right? Was to lead us with, through his kindness to repentance so that we could be restored and so that we could be saved spiritually. So can you have justice without judgment? That was the question that came to my mind as I was studying this earlier, because I mean, I think we desire this. I think we want justice, but we don't want judgment. But I think it's like, whose definition of justice are we looking for, right? Is it God's definition of justice or a definition that, you know, humanity has come up with, culture has come up with? And then also whose definition of judgment? And then as I was processing this, I thought, am I okay with others being judged? <laughs> and I think, you know, Evan, are you okay with others being judged? Within reason, sure. You want it to be done in like a, a good way. So then we need to be okay with being judged, right? Like if we're, and that's what the Roman scripture is saying, like, don't you know that you will also be judged because there's something within us that is okay with others being judged. But often we get a little squirmy <laughs> when we're the ones being judged. Like there's like a self-preservation and something that makes us like kind of push that away, or at least for me, I've experienced that before. But again, if we are okay with others being judged, we are like, what makes us special or different? Like I was saying earlier, we also have to be okay with being judged. So we're in the fourth week of Advent, and 
This is the last Sunday before Christmas Day, which is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And Advent is about Jesus leaving heaven, right? He leaves heaven. We've read the last couple of weeks about John the Baptist and how he preached about repentance, right? Like he was the one preparing the way for Jesus. And it, if his message was about repentance, we know Jesus's would be even that much more because he was preparing for Jesus. And so Jesus came as a baby. We've just watched a cute little video of Haven's nephew rubbing his feet together. And, you know, that, I mean, that was Jesus. He was a baby and he grew and um, he discovered the world just the same way that we did as people, you know, as we grew up. Um, but he knew his mission. He had a task and it was to die so that we could repent through his grace. That is in a nutshell what Jesus came for. And the truth of all of that is we have a savior. We have somebody who came to save us. Sometimes he does save people physically, like we've heard miracles of people having like really bad car crashes and they walk away like nothing happened. Um, we ha actually had a, st a beautiful story shared about how um, through uh, medical intervention, um, we have somebody who has a niece and nephew, you know, that was a miracle and it was very physical. Um, God had to work physical things together for that miracle to happen. So he does affect us physically, but Jesus's main reason for coming was to save us spiritually. And I just felt like a sense through the Holy Spirit to say this morning that since we have a savior, we need to stop trying to save ourselves. I, I think there's just so much destruction and pain um, when we get wrapped up in cycles of trying to save ourselves, trying to, whether it's through grit or pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps or whatever, you know, plithy saying you want to put in there. Um, I think there's just so much brokenness that cannot be fixed through human means. That's why Jesus had to come and I just, yeah, I don't know if it's somebody online or, you know, in here, but we just really have to let Jesus be who he came to be, which is our Savior. So we need to let Jesus save us. So this Christmas, let Jesus be your Savior. Let him save you. And um, I think there's just the beauty of 2023 <laughs> will be um, when we just completely surrender ourselves to the Lord and let him work out our salvation like scripture tells us he does. Um, so yeah, would you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for this Christmas season and everything it symbolizes. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to be our Savior. Help us to surrender everything, everything to you, Jesus. 
to let you be the one who will deliver us from our circumstances. God, it, it's just exhausting to try to save ourselves. And God, I think, honestly, like, so much of the anxiety and even depression that is so prevalent in our culture, um, again, I say this with a caveat that we know there's so much that goes into anxiety and depression, but I just think the weight of the world is not meant to be on us. That's not how you designed us. You designed us to be submissive to you and to give all of our burdens to you. God, your word tells us you are for us, you are not against us. And so I just pray as we close out 2022 and go into 2023 that, um, God, we would let you save us that we would give all of our cares and our worries and our burdens to you, that we, we, would be, we would be patient as you work out all these things in our lives. Yeah, we just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So we're just going to wrap up this morning, oh, this afternoon. Why do I keep saying this morning? Uh, with a couple of songs. So Haven and Evan, come on up and just worship worship the Lord for what he has done. Amen. 
have a Savior. We are no longer lost. He's, he has come down for us. We have a Savior. We have a Savior. Jesus, Emmanuel, here with us, tell all the world, we have a Savior, we have a Savior, we are no longer lost. Savior, we have a Sorry, I just couldn't think of my note. Okay. Oh, I think it's a. Okay. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. I can't sing it that high or that low. <laughs> Ooh, things have passed. That's what it's supposed to be. And I can't find it. Is that it? Does that work with what I have? Your love has Sorry. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement, Bond. Well, um, We Have a Savior is my favorite. So I'm so glad that worked. That's my favorite Christmas song, We Have a Savior. All right. So let's uh, send off with our benediction, just like we do every week. It's Christmas, so we'll relax a little bit, but we are still ambassadors for Christ. And a lot of us are going home to families that don't really know Jesus. 
So this is a great reminder of who he is, what he asks for us. So you got that scripture up for us, Travi? All right. So, and he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So 